Welcome to A Thing of Beauty. I'm your host, Claire Repschult, a senior in the College of Arts and Sciences at Indiana University studying English and History. This podcast is part of Themester, a themed semester brought to you by the College of Arts and Sciences. This fall, we are exploring beauty as a core component of human experience. In each episode, we'll invite faculty to share an object of beauty with us. So let's meet our guest. Welcome to A Thing of Beauty. I'm Claire Repschel, and I'm here with Distinguished Professor of Biology, Roger Hangarter, and Director of the Grunewald Gallery, Betsy Stewart. Thank you for being here today. Thank Thanks. you. So if you wouldn't mind, one of you picking up, maybe we'll start with Roger, if you could describe the object you've chosen for us today. Mm-hmm. So the object is actually, it's a photograph of an object, um, but the object that we're talking about is the photograph. Um, the What's in the photograph is a spider web, a common everyday thing that people see all over the place. <clears throat> and what I did was I got in close and was able to take a photograph that um, illustrated various properties of the web and the colors that you can get through the physics of the properties of the web. And the result is a pretty interesting and spectacular looking object. So Betsy, as the curator in the room, could you describe a little bit of the the visual experience of the object? Yeah, well, I was extremely excited by these pictures Roger showed me because, um, first of all, they they're they're mysterious to me, and to me, that's that is so important when you look at a beautiful object that you don't completely understand everything about it. Mm -hmm. Um, What I see in this picture is I see the webbing. Um, You can't really understand it. It's not linear at all. I mean, even though it's made of lines, it's completely unclear exactly how this web is constructed. So that is a mysterious part of it. The other part is the prismatic light that is reflected from these beautiful strands of web that the spider has created. And those those prisms um, are moving. They're moving in space. And I guess... It's just, it's, it's almost like an atmospheric, something you might see in the night sky or something. And so that was, to me, what I guess one of the most striking aspects of this picture. I got this picture over email, and when I picked it out and opened it, I thought certainly that it was something digitally made or that mm-hmm. it was like a picture of a galaxy kind of a thing. It took me a while and almost before I printed it to like completely understand that it was a spider's web. Could you talk to me about how you captured the photograph? Yeah, so, I mean, these spider webs are every place, but you usually don't see them just because of the your angle relative to the lighting, and they're invisible, which is how they work, right? They trap things that don't see them and bump into them. But if you get at the right angle relative to the direction of the light, all of a sudden the light is being affected by the properties of the web and it breaks it up into the spectrum and you get interference patterns and so on. And so what I, I noticed a glimmer in the distance from these webs, there were a bunch of them in the tops of the plants. And I got down with my macro lens and got up close and suddenly the colors just took over the image. And um, I think I spent half the day out there just taking pictures of these webs. And how many pictures do you think you took? Oh, I probably took about 500 pictures, um, but there were about 20 or so that I liked. So why did you pick this one out of the the 20 or so that you liked? What was particularly beautiful about this one? Um, this one, part of it, as a biologist, I look for the 
biology in addition to the other aspects of the beauty. But this, um, when you start looking at it closely, you see where the spider is. It's a very small spider, so it doesn't stand out at first. Um, but you see it standing on the bottom of part of the web, which is a multi-layered, very three-dimensional web. And you can see structures of the architecture, how it's woven together to hold it in place and give it the ability to withstand the wind and so on. And, but really what struck me most was the diffraction patterns, the interference patterns of the light and how <clears throat> if you don't have the right angle, you have like a five or 10 degree flexibility there to see those colors. If you move any further away than that from the direction of the sun, it's invisible. Mm -hmm. um, and the whole aspect of it, you know, it's different when you're taking the photographs, you know, I see all this other stuff around me other than what's actually in the photograph. But when I see the photograph, of course, that's what I see is all the other stuff too. Mm -hmm. um, but um, these, I, when I looked at these on the big screen the first time, I was completely dazzled. I had no idea mm -hmm. that there was so much in them. Mm -hmm. You know, I just thought there'd be a few interesting patterns, but they just draw you in. Now, Betsy, as someone who works with many photographers and artists of many mediums, what strikes you about this picture? We've heard from Roger the biological and physical perspectives on it, but mm -hmm. thinking in comparison to maybe photographic technique or color, could you add some insight there? Compositionally, it works beautifully. Mm -hmm. um, from my perspective, the spider is the least important thing in this. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's, I think, very interesting about the way that maybe a biologist might think about the picture and mm -hmm. a very maybe an artist or or a visual mm -hmm. or a curator or somebody might look at a picture like this. He he showed me many pictures that don't have the spider in it, and I'm like, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't really matter. Um, so, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think that just the visual atmosphere of the thing is really what the picture is about, and it it was made by a living thing, mm -hmm. and maybe just knowing that makes it that much more mysterious and intriguing. Mm -hmm. So when you were choosing the picture together, how did you go about um, talking about what you found beautiful? Where was the overlap between your biological experience and your more artistic experience that you saw in the picture that made it such a perfect object for this conversation? Well, I think it would be more of a collaborative yeah. effort. Um, it, you know, everything Betsy said, I agree with. It's mm -hmm. the colors, it's the patterns, and the mystery. But I thought, as an object for people to get through that mystery, having the spider in the photograph helps, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. they can understand that that's actually a spider web. Mm -hmm. And this was created by the living thing, mm -hmm. and it's as beautiful as anything. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much intricacy in this, in the colors, the patterns, the way the webs are hung together. Mm -hmm. And so I think we sort of agreed that the, it's the overall patterns, colors, textures, and things that you see in it that's really the striking thing. Mm -hmm. But um, as a biologist, I'm always trying to make sure people understand the natural world around them mm -hmm. instead of other ideals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so it's sort of, that's my job. Mm -hmm. So would you use this as a classroom object or? I, yes, I yes. would, yeah. And in, in what context? Except I teach plant biology. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, but would you ever um, bring it up to illuminate any particular idea? Is that how your photography works, or do you really keep it for uh, like more museum presentation? Well, initially, I was taking photographs, just documenting 
what's out there. Um, I'm really fascinated by all the different biodiversity that we have mm -hmm. in Indiana. Um, but the more I do it, the more I try to make them just compelling photographs so that because you know people aren't going to get to the biology if they're not drawn to it in the first place you could talk for an hour about the science in this image mm -hmm. because the way those light patterns the the way it forms these little strips of color mm -hmm. um, all of that is based on physics and so on and so mm -hmm. you could spend forever talking about you got the biology of the spider you got the uh, architecture and proper physical properties of the web mm -hmm. you have these beautiful colors but Really, what it comes down to is just you look at that and you go, wow, that's really something. <laughs> mm -hmm. So how much does it come down to, and this would be a question for either of you, I think, how much does it come down to the actual printed photograph and how much does it come down to what the camera reveals in the picture? Well, I mean, that's actually a pretty fascinating thing in itself. Mm -hmm. You know, you couldn't see this by eye. Right. You had to take this with the camera because the way you see those bands is these have to be out of focus and our eyes don't do that. And so the camera gives you a way to see things that, you know, we don't normally see. So selective focus <clears throat> um, came into play here and mm -hmm. that's why you ended up with this image. But it's true. And, and that's a that's a great sort of question is the translation of actual of nature through this camera lens, mm -hmm. you know, what else could be done? And our, Roger's done lots of things with it um, that, that make us see things that we wouldn't normally see, mm -hmm. I think. And that is a great, I think, sort of insight into the beauty of nature is that we can see things that we wouldn't see by just an average day. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. And how would you compare it to, say, somebody who um, was was using a painting or a sculpture or something else to capture a moment like this? Like, mm -hmm. where where does the photography really change it into something extraordinary? That's a good question. That's a really and hard And a question. difficult one, I can tell you, because I'm an artist as well. And Roger's been great about sharing a lot of his images with me. And I, I do a lot of work that's related to science and biology and... Mm -hmm. Um, and I can tell you something that it, you can't make a painting that does this. Mm -hmm. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. um, so I've tried, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> There's something about um, the lens-based work um, that creates a vibrancy that is very, very hard to capture unless you're doing lens-based work, mm -hmm. unless you're making photographs or video. Um, if you're using paint and mm -hmm. you're using, you know, of course, the transmission of light, from paint is very different than what you get from a from a screen or mm -hmm. from a um, from a print like this, and so the the feel of it is completely different. Mm -hmm. So what you're doing is you're dealing with light in a very different way mm -hmm. when you're dealing with creating a piece of art uh, mm -hmm. that's a static thing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so that that's a that's a real challenge I think for artists. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's very interesting, in particular this photograph because it is so digital and in, in the way that you're talking about the natural world and what it reveals to you about a very intimate experience with nature and yet it's mediated by something that is very technological so i think it it gives a really interesting dichotomy between the relationship of man and nature and man and technology and i think that there's a lot of exciting work there that even though the technological aspect of it is so present you also kind of forget entirely about it when you see the image. Yeah, the technology is there to enable the capture of images. Mm -hmm. And um, 
you know, if you just go out for a walk in the woods, you probably walk past things like this mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, I do. And it's only under certain conditions where you're, you just happen to catch that glimmer of light. Mm -hmm. You stop and you go, oh, now mm -hmm. that's something different. You know, it's not a chipmunk. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something really different. And you can go work it and get images like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of the ones that I have shared with Betsy, it came from one day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, every one of them that I shared it with her, I really thought was pretty spectacular. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of other ones, too, that are spectacular, but those are the mm -hmm. ones that just everything came together in there with the, the shapes and the angles of the light and mm -hmm. so on. These images are more transcendental than maybe others that Roger has made. Yeah. And I've seen, I haven't seen a, a fraction of what he's made, <laughs> but he showed me some, some things. And um, these, these have a little bit of a little more otherworldly character. And I, of course, that's why I'm particularly attracted to them, because... Mm -hmm. It's the kind of thing that I'm interested in. That's what yeah. I think is beautiful in the world. Yeah, there's a fantasy element. So when you're going and finding these unexpected moments, are you going out in pursuit of beauty when you do that? Like when, when you enter the forest or wherever you are taking pictures, are you thinking, I'm looking for beauty? Or, or how do you go? And you too, when you're creating your work, do you think, I'm, I'm seeking a beautiful moment? I go out because every time one goes out, and watches and looks and observes, you see beauty. And it's there, right? It doesn't have to be made by us or fabricated by us. It's just there. And, you know, it's something that I find, you know, I, a walk in the woods, I come home and I've seen so much stuff and I tell people about some of it and they don't believe me because they've not seen it. And they may have been walking with me. And, you know, I go with other people sometimes and I come back and show them the photographs I had and they go, I had no idea that that was there and some you know it's, it's just experience i do it enough that i can experience that but i go out into the woods anticipating that i will see beauty i don't know what i'm looking for necessarily there are some times when i do when there's certain animals around or mm -hmm. something so you're not demanding it but you're open to it i'm open to it yeah. yes that's exactly right and what about you i think when you are making art you Almost everybody I know strives for some kind of beauty. It doesn't mean it's necessarily what other people might think is beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, I know I've found it very challenging to make things that I think, I think are beautiful enough and are as beautiful as something you would see in nature. Because mm -hmm. to me, the natural world is intrinsically more beautiful than anything a human can make. So... I think uh, that's a challenge that I have and, and a frustration that I have as a studio artist to make a painting that I first all feel like, okay, I can let that out of here and not be ashamed of it. Um, and secondly, that it's beautiful enough that I think it has, has something. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's very difficult to do. And um, I think um, especially knowing the art world, so much art is not beautiful, and so <laughs> so I would prefer to to consume my the beauty that I consume mm -hmm. by going into nature and mm -hmm. seeing it there. Um, that's that's much more pleasurable to me than going to an art museum. I love art, love it. You know, it's great. Yeah. But if I'm looking for beauty, that's not where I go. I see. So, what would you describe the experience of being in the museum for as a director of mm -hmm. the Grinwald? Well, I mean, art has a lot of qualities, and beauty is one of them. Uh, it's only one. Uh, you know, it might be provocative, it might be politically interesting, mm -hmm. it might have, it has a statement to make, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, it might 
Um, so all those things are valuable too. But if we're just talking about beauty, I don't think um, an art museum is where I would go. Okay. So, and thinking about that then as a kind of separation from the, your, your work at the museum particularly, your pursuit of beauty, what, how do you bring the beauty back into uh, those conversations in the gallery? Or how do you bring beauty back into your conversations in the lab or in the classroom after you've experienced these things and, and documented them so well? How does it come back into your, your discipline? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I teach plant physiology. So I mm-hmm. teach, it's more molecular biochemistry types of things. Um, but I start every one of my lectures with a photograph that I took that week or within a week or so of the class. And I just have that on the screen and then we talk about it for a couple of minutes before we go into the topic. And often I can link them to some aspect of the topic. But what I try to do is use these as a tool to get students to actually open their eyes to more than what they'll see on their iPhone screen. Mm-hmm. or their computer screen or, you know, in their daily activities, maybe they'll decide that going out into the woods might be a fun thing to do today mm-hmm. to see some of these things. So I do integrate a lot of photographs into my lectures um, when I can. Sometimes I use them just to document things that are happening that are relevant to my lectures. Mm-hmm. So for me, they're beautiful objects and they also have a utility in getting people to understand and think about scientific principles and Mm -hmm. properties. So it sounds like you think of these photographs in particular more as impetus for wonder and like engagement with what you're doing and kind of like the beginning like like urgency to go out and discover more than explanatory or like the only thing that matters it's kind of like your hook or your beginning place from which you can look into other things. Yeah, in some regards, I I do use them for that. Um, Personally, my satisfaction in taking the photographs is having something that looks like that (laughs) when I'm at the end of the day. So it's joy, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite things is getting home and loading up the images on my computer and putting them on a big screen and going through them and just seeing what I actually managed to capture from what I saw that day. Sometimes it's a pretty powerful thing and it makes everything else, all the troubles of the day or whatever, go away. Exactly. That's called making art. That's what that's called. Mm-hmm. So how do, you, how do you treat beauty in, in, in the workplace or in your um, professional discipline? Ever, it's such an en- enigmatic quality. <laughs> I mean, particularly, at least in the art world, I think, people define it so many different ways. And, of course, it depends on people's interests. Um, it depends on their educational level. It depends on what culturally people think is beautiful, what we're supposed to think is beautiful. Some people only equate the idea of beauty to human beings, to beautiful human beings. They don't understand that the world can be beautiful. Um, or, or it has to be a landscape. It has to be a specific kind of landscape. It has to be beautiful. So I think people are fairly narrow-minded in terms of what their definition of beauty can be. Um, so I've found that in curating exhibits and organizing things at the Grunewald, we, you know, beauty always comes into play. However, it's defined in incredibly varied ways. And um, 
I think people would always say that they were striving for beauty when they're putting together an exhibit. Mm-hmm. However, it doesn't always appear mm-hmm. to be beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not always necessarily aesthetic as much as it, it's exactly. some sort of feeling, feeling state. Yes. Yeah. And that's really important, I think, aspect of beauty too. We tend to think of it as visual and it is visual, but there's a lot more to beauty than, than seeing it. Mm-hmm. It's experiencing it. And mm-hmm. if we're out in the field and Roger, I know has felt this when he's out. And if I, if I go somewhere where I feel is a beautiful place, it's not only what I'm seeing, it's what I'm experiencing. It's mm-hmm. what I'm hearing, what I'm feeling, temperature, the environment, it's the, um, the odors, the smell. Yeah. The odors. That's so critical. And, um, of course the sound and, you know, all that comes into play and that, that's what makes a beautiful thing. So beauty becomes not only just, that's a beautiful thing. It's, it's the experience of it. Mm -hmm. It's the whole experience. So do you ever, either of you identify something as beautiful and not have the urge to document it in a photograph or a sculpture or painting? No, (laughs) no, that never happens. Really? (laughs) Yeah. And that's a difficult thing because sometimes when you're so busy taking pictures of something, you don't see it. And it's like our travel, you know, when you travel and, you know, you're so busy documenting everything, you don't even know you were there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's a danger, but Mm -hmm. I always feel like you have to, you have to grab it. Yeah. I mean, I try to grab what I can, but I also, sometimes I'm just content watching, you know, and I'll watch for a while and then I'll go, okay, maybe I'll try to capture some of that. Cause you don't, I mean, especially with biological things, they're moving, you know, even the spider web is moving cause it's windy or breezy. Just a little breeze will change things. The sun's changing in the sky. So where these kind of things are happening in the web changes. So you have to keep moving around. You're watching, I, you know, and I'll study things for a while before I even take a picture, unless it's something that just sort of flew in like a bird. I try to get a picture and then I hope that maybe I have a chance to study a little bit and understand more about it so I can take the real picture, the one that you want. Um, You know, a lot of the other one would be the documentation one just to convince myself I saw it. Or sometimes I use them so I can identify what the thing is because I don't always know. You know, there's a lot of biology out there. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. really hard to know what all these things are. And time, time is, is, is an important aspect of this. As he said, you know, it's the right, the right moment. Sometimes you don't have time. Sometimes you have to be somewhere else or, you, you know, other things are pressing or mm-hmm. the sun's going down or the tide's coming in or something. <laughs> and that moment is only going to be there for a short period of time, that beautiful moment. And there might be other beautiful moments, but mm-hmm. to get that one, you have to do it right mm-hmm. then. Mm-hmm. So do you think that beauty is important in, in, in these acts of creation? Like, is, can you ever create something without it having been the instigator or very central to an art piece? Like, does it always begin there? Well, I don't create any of these things. They exist. Yeah. <laughs> and I look for them. But mm-hmm. I do, at times, think about how to capture something that you wouldn't be able to just walk up to it and get. Um, there, and it, these are good examples, these spider webs, because you have to be there at the right time of day. So the angle of the sun relative to the web is right. You have to have access to it from the right side so that you can get that um, light coming through the web the way it is in this photograph. 
And there are times when I actually will think hard about all the things that I would need to capture the kind of image I want of something. And so in that sense, I do create the photographs. Well, when you're in the studio, it's a whole different ballgame. Um, you're, depending on how you, how your practice is, um, it could be a situation where you're responding to something. You want to capture something, but you can't do it. And so you're trying to figure out which process would work the best. And I'm talking about painting right mm-hmm. now. Would work the best to capture something as close to what you want to do as you can. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a very actually very intuitive, mm-hmm. at least this is the way I work. Very intuitive and very challenging process because there's a lot of things that are failures, lots and lots of failures. So it's like taking photographs in the sense that you you take 520, you're good. <laughs> Unfortunately, paintings are a lot like that. <laughs> so you end up scrapping a lot of a lot of work. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a matter of trying to capture a moment. Really, mm-hmm. it's just making your hand do that is really hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. It becomes a technological exercise. It like, does. How do, I, how do I separate my hand from my mind in a, in a way? It is technology. Mm-hmm. It is. It's like, how can you make the technology do what you want it to do? Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it hardly ever does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, even with the photographs, you do have to develop an intuition because you know you just don't go out there with your iPhone and capture photographs like this. Oh, you could, but it's hard. Um, but you know you have to know what kind of lens to use, and a little bit about light, the mm. properties of light, light. and um, a number of things about the instrument you're using to capture it. But you have to learn enough of it that it becomes more intuitive. You can't be sitting there going, uh, thinking about. What do I have to do with the f-stop? What do I have to do with this? You just sort of have to do it because mm-hmm. these things are fleeting. And if you're not quick, it's really hard to do this. And could you take this picture without your knowledge of biology and physics? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you could. As long as you know how to use the camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Roger's been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's learned an enormous amount over time mm-hmm. how to how to do this. And mm-hmm. so... He can draw on, on that extensive knowledge and the extensive number of cameras he has. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it seems to me that the two are, are quite intertwined. And what you talk about the angle of the sun and the, the physical properties of the light is something that I, as an English and history major, was not, was not thinking about even in this photo. So to me, it seems that the two are quite well together in this. Yeah, they work well. I I am, um, my specialty in plant science is Mm -hmm. photobiology, Mm -hmm. how plants respond to light. So I learned, you know, through my training, Mm -hmm. all the properties of light. Mm -hmm. And that helped me a lot get to where I am with the camera because it really is the properties of light that determines how you get pictures. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to, I think, move faster with my photography than I might have if I didn't know any of that in the first place. And when did you pick it up, photography, I mean? Well, I I mean, I took photographs a long time ago with film, but it was so expensive and I couldn't afford to do it, so I didn't do very much. And it was only really in the last 10 years when digital cameras hit the world and Mm -hmm. started to have, you know, enough resolution that it made it worth it. And then I can't put them down now, so... Mm -hmm. Uh, it seems to me also going back to what you're saying about being a being a photobiology specialist 
that your understanding of plants and your relationship to plants is quite similar to the camera. Like the two and the way that you're able to see things and understand the world through both seems seems like you're almost a scholar of light more than anything else. <laughs> that's really interesting because um, I think that's one thing Roger and I have in common is the work that I do is about light. The paintings are about light. So that's why I think I'm, I'm so drawn to his pictures and I think they really mean something to me. And then that's what I'm looking at here is the light. And so you, you're both kind of in love with light a little bit in pursuit of, of light, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. Mm-hmm. I think that we've, we've covered most of our, our topics of beauty, but I like to end every episode to ask about, for students that aren't going to be able to get to see this image immediately, how would you suggest, and you've touched on this a little bit, but how would you suggest that they could have a beautiful experience today? A beauty tip, if you will, for our student listeners. Take your earphones out of your ears, <laughs> put your phone in your pocket or your purse or hide it, and observe. Because you can learn a lot by observing. I think what Roger says is right. I think that the only way that people are going to appreciate the world is to have some curiosity about it. And they won't have any curiosity about it if they aren't looking at it. Throw open the windows and let the light come in. That's right. Exactly. Great. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank Thank you. you.